Hey, this is Scooby Dudes. Uh, this is a podcast where two best friends talk about their favorite meddling kids. And their dumb dog, too. I'm Luke. That's Evan. And we are both so excited uh, to bring you this episode. It's, it's about Scooby-Doo team-up number 30, a comic book. And because it's a team-up, we've actually teamed up with another podcast. We have their hosts right here. Wait, do, do we for real, man? Oh, shoot. What podcast? Is it Comedy Bang Bang? Is it Improv for Humans? Is it cereal? Is it This American Life? It's all of them. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Uh, come, come on in. Uh, Matt Besser. Uh, g- guy from Serial. Um, yes, me. Uh, uh, Scott Ackerman. The others. They're, they're all here. Man, um, could, I could have hosted a couple of them at my side, but you've gotten them all over in your room, even though I'm, my room is also I'm in America. Very small. I'm objectively closer to everyone on that list. Well, you know, uh, there, there's also this, the distinct problem that you and I only have two mics. That's true. So are you saying we have... We have a massive podcast team up, undoubtedly the biggest cross-promotional event we've ever done and probably will ever do, and we won't be able to get any of these people on mic? I just, I, I'm holding, you know I hold the mic in my, in my left hand, and it just, I, I don't like it when people are too close to me, I don't want them leaning over, I also don't want to stretch my arm out to pass the mic to anyone. Yeah, you've got a, a huge personal bubble, more like a personal dome. Unfortunately, recording is happening right here under the dome as it were and but but what an exciting opportunity still they're still here and they're still present throughout this whole coming episode is that what we're saying this is still going to be a team up episode you can't hear them but if they tug evan's sleeve and gesture to him what they want to say we'll translate that into speech that's exactly what i'm saying yeah so uh special episode listeners strap in and get ready for more guest hosts than you could possibly know what to do with. Yeah, um, I'm so excited for this. All my favorite people joining us. Uh, listeners, this is going to be a massive treat. If you can, get a hold of Scooby-Doo Team Up, issue number 30. Read it ahead of time. It's a fabulous little comic uh, published by DC. You'll love it, and you'll love listening to us talk about it. What? What? What is this? Um, our, our theme song to be performed by The Roots? <laughs> <laughs> Let it be known... Uh, that the roots are such professionals oh, that the the version of our theme song you're about to listen to right now, they they performed it to a T. You actually can't tell. They didn't want to change anything. And in fact, Reggie Watts and Weird Al stepped in to do the second half of the theme song, and they too did it so so similarly to, similarly to ours. You can't even tell. That's a massive amount of respect they're showing for us. So for the first time ever, this is the Scooby Dudes theme song. Performed by The Roots, As, guest vocals by Weird Al Yankovic. And uh, Reggie Watts doing beatboxing. Um, man, it, the, the amazing thing is that they even got the parts where we sang off-key right. They chose not to sing better than we did where they could have. I heard they retreated to a, to a mountain cabin and did not leave until they had, uh, they had memorized every note. Yeah, I, uh, I hear Weird Al actually married Empty Sam for a short period of time just to get in my head. And I respect that, man. It's an honor. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies, too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. So a lot of the times, um, what I'll say opening up an episode 
is that we've already mentioned in our intro what we're going to be covering. And then I say exactly what we said in our intro, which is what we're covering. And this week, the Scooby Dudes are covering Scooby Doo Team Up, the comic featuring Challengers of the Unknown. Yeah, so this is Scooby Doo Team Up number 30. Uh, and it came out September 27th. I realize it's October now, but it's pretty close. This is the most recent issue of the series. Um, and I actually am on the DC Comics website. They're the publishers. And I have their synopsis here. Oh, please, read it out to us. Uh, and the synopsis is, when facing a supernatural menace, there's only one team to call. Or maybe two. When Mystery Incorporated and the Challengers of the Unknown both show up at the scene of a monstrous mystery, it's a race to see which team will save the day if they stay out of each other's way long enough to do it. That's a, that's a very concise little summary. And I do, before we really get into things, um, I think it would be good to just talk about what Scooby-Doo team-up has been leading up to this. Hmm. And I only know a couple of the highlights. Maybe you've read into it a little bit more than me, but let me tell you what the way I know it, and you can correct me, Evan. Yeah, yeah, sure. So Scooby-Doo team-up, now that Scooby-Doo is owned by DC overall, I believe, um, it's a lot of team-ups with DC heroes, like Batman and, uh, and probably Spider-Man makes an appearance. I did read one where he teams up with The Flash and Green Arrow and some other people. Um, so it's basically him teaming with a lot of DC characters and other smaller comic and cartoon characters, or just different. Uh, I mean, it's not Spider-Man, because Spider-Man's Marvel, but you, oh, yeah. you pretty much... Um... <laughs> wow. Uh, you're, you're pretty much right on the money. Like, Scooby-Doo team-up mm. has been a chance to mash the Scooby-Doo franchise up with other one-owned en- entities. So, like, Batman's, like, a common occurrence. I can see here that... Um... Uh, in the next issue, it'll be Scooby-Doo teaming up with the Atom, who is basically like DC's Ant-Man. He gets very small. Mm. Uh, but also, um, he interacts with, as you said, other like uh, Hanna-Barbera characters. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't see... really know what those are. Who are those other characters? So I can see that in um, 32, uh, which comes out in November, they team up with Adam-Ant. Oh, yeah. I remember that guy. And honestly, I'm just going to say, I think it's kind of weird that they did the Adam and then also Adam Ant. Yeah, you'd think they'd space those out a little bit more. Uh, and I guess the question I wanted to ask before we, we, we leapt right into this is, who is this comic for? Well, I think this comic, it seems to be aimed at a general audience, maybe skewing younger. This is the kind of thing I would have loved to read as like a 10-year-old or 12-year-old kid, maybe 10-year-old kid. Um, I think of it as like going to bed comics. Well, I, I mean, I, I think that you're kind of right on the money there, right? In that it's, um, this mm. is like the, the gateway drug to, is, is that, that's marijuana, right? Marijuana is a gateway drug? I think that's what's commonly cited as. And I don't know, maybe there's other gateways from worse neighborhoods that have harder drugs. Can you imagine? Is cocaine that's like, a gateway drug? Crack cocaine, I guess, is a gateway drug. If, I get, here, how about this? If you don't consider marijuana really like a dangerous drug something else must then become the gateway drug, right? Is that, Okay, I feel like there must be a step between marijuana and cocaine. There's you definitely know? a step. <laughs> you know, yeah, dude. I feel like it's such a, it's such a steep uh, drop or incline from one to the next. There has to be an in-between. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's switching classes from hallucinogenic to upper. So maybe, like, marijuana acid? I don't think acid is... Oh, maybe. This is a good tangent, right? This is where we want to go. This is where the episode <laughs> here, demands. Here we are talking about <laughs> chi- like 
arguably some of the child-friendliest content we've ever done. What is the true gateway drug once marijuana is legalized? Because at one point, alcohol was probably the gateway drug. Um, I mean, it's still ludicrous to me that at one point, your nation as a whole was just like, oh, alcohol is illegal now. It's, Ifty Sam and I were talking about how crazy it is that at another point, we were like, cocaine is awesome right now. Like, it's cool in the business world. Do we want to talk about that? What was your question again? What's, oh yeah, what age demographic is this uh, comic aimed at? Kids well, that don't do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Too young to do drugs. <laughs> Well, okay, so so part of the reason I asked that, mm-hmm. and I kind of meant who is this issue specifically for? Okay, because if you see if you see a comic, and it's like Scooby Doo, who as a child you know and love, and like Batman, which is like I don't know what kids these days what kind of Batman they're growing up with. If it's like the murder Batman from like the Zack Snyder movies, it might be a little yeah. hard to reconcile the two. Frank Miller's Batman won't uh, coexist really neatly alongside. But like ostensibly. Yeah. There are still child-friendly Batman products out there. So you see something like this, the two of them together, and you're just like, oh, I got to get on that. Yeah. it's Right? I mean, that's the whole appeal of a lot of these uh, crossover comics. Like, the X-Men are a massive crossover. Uh, I, I, get, I, th- I feel like crossovers are huge for them in their, their comics. You read them partly to see all these different people interacting. I remember as a kid, I loved few things more than when superheroes would cross over. Like, Superman, Batman, nothing better. Yeah, but and and um, and here we have Michael Keaton's Batman. That's the version that they use in the team up comics, which is a really interesting choice. I'm kidding. It's actually George Clooney's Batman. You can tell by the nips. <laughs> uh, but OK, so what, what was I trying to say? Oh, yeah. So you, so you have Scooby Doo. You have mm-hmm. these these really popular um, heroes and they're kind of like and they're kind of like helping you along the way. Um, and I feel like in a way helping younger readers to tap into a lot of um a lot of shows that are came way before them do you know what i mean like kids so you're thinking cross promotion or not even that but like reconnecting with stuff that's in the past like Like, non-current do you remember top cat Ooh, man not swat cats not swat cats which was like the gritty like 90s like we're we're we we pilot like stealth or like F-16s, not not SWAT cats. Top cat. No, this is <laughs> quite quite different. I don't I don't know Top Cat. Well, Top Cat was just another like Hanna Barbera property, and they're just like they're kind of honestly they were basically the Aristocats. Like I think Disney owes Warner Brothers money or like Hanna Barbera money. It looks like Fat Albert with cats to me. Yeah, there that's, a lot of, that's like, the impression st- I get. They're street yeah. smart felines, and I know that there's like a Top Cat Scooby Doo team up issue, and so mm. it just seems like. We'll we'll sort of have these popular DC heroes to 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 grab kids, and then every now and then we'll slip in these other characters to familiarize, so that kids don't forget. So like kids or just like people in general don't forget about all of these other great properties. Yeah, I think it it benefits the studio because it's cross promotional. It benefits the viewer because it makes it feel like a more wide lived in world. And for me, more than anything, I feel like Batman is even more Batman if we see him next to Scooby-Doo by comparison. It's almost like you need something to compare him to to understand what he really is. And, and seeing, bouncing these characters off of each other who are in slightly different situations, that makes you more appreciate what they are. And for characters that are very similar, like when Batman and Green Arrow are teaming up, 
that's it's kind of funny to see how we see the parallels drawn out there it's almost like a meta joke so if you sort of agree with my assessment that's why my question is mm. for this particular comic for scooby-doo team up number 30 feet the challengers mm. of the unknown who is this comic for uh well seeing as how the challengers of the unknown are the unknown challengers of the unknown like i don't think there's a list we certainly don't have a listener that's heard of these people before if we do please email us I'd be happy to be proven wrong, though I know I won't be. But these are, it's so obscure. It's a, a fictional group of adventurers appearing in DC Comics starting as early as 1957. And, and I'll say... And for, to me, I'm guessing ending late 1957. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but I'll say as a guy who I would say that my, my knowledge of comic books runs pretty deep. Um, mm. More Marvel than DC, though I, I know a lot about DC... And I'm maybe familiar with the title. Just and and that might just be because like I've read I've like skimmed wikis and stuff. But just like if you ask me to name any of the members of the Challengers of the Unknown, <laughs> I would not be able to help you. I'd be surprised if any living person that worked on it could name someone from Challengers of the Unknown. And I'll, and I'll tell you this straight mm-hmm. up: when I read this comic for the first time. I assumed that the Challengers of the Unknown were a Hanna-Barbera creation and not a DC creation. Huh. I, I didn't know what to think either way. In fact, I didn't even make the distinction until this moment. But they're definitely a DC creation. And the Challengers of the Unknown, what do they originally look like? What, what's this all based on? Because we know what Scooby-Doo looks like, but none of us have any base of knowledge on Challengers of the Unknown. I mean, you, you said that they originated in these old-timey comics in the 50s, and, and at that point in time, and as you can see, honestly, go, and as our listeners will be able to realize as we go through this issue, mm-hmm. there was a big emphasis. It was, there was still an emphasis on, like, fighting crimes, but there was also a lot of comic book real estate dedicated to exploring, which was kind of like where the Fantastic Four came from. They mm-hmm. were, like, explorers. Uh, and then, like, Star Trek is, is sort of like a similar idea. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Challengers of the Unknown... Uh, are not so much i mean sure they're like fighting villains but there's also this this idea that they're like they're discovering new things yeah to me it it feels like those pulpy short novels that were just all about exploring the science fiction landscape or something like that like they'd be very brief these characters are really one not not just two-dimensional but one-dimensional they're a single point in space and it's like four guys who are all identical but for their hair color and all wear the exact same outfit and are the exact same body shape and all that. They're just a, a window into this world that the artist is trying to help us explore. And again, pulp novels are the parallel that come to mind for me. Um, the big thing that no, I noticed looking at their old issues are that they're four guys who all look identical. They're all wearing long sleeve purple shirts and like khaki slacks. They're exploring alien worlds in khaki slacks. And I get that somebody had to invent space pants at some point, and it was clearly not before this comic came out. But khaki slacks. I, I don't understand what you have about ca- what you have against khakis. It's unreasonable of me. You know, they're they're practical and they're they're formal at the same time. Yeah, explain yourself. Well, what thoughts do you have on Challengers of the Unknown? Them specifically. Aside from that, I guess getting to your point, that they're a complete unknown being paired with Scooby-Doo. And to my thinking, it's not even like they have another comic coming out. This is cross-promoting nothing. It's just drawing from some some of its history. DC history, no less. And I guess that's the whole thing. I, I have a lot of um, 
anybody who's read comic books for a long time will eventually develop a strong sense of cynicism. Um, in, in part because, like, and, and look, I love Marvel. I really like a lot of what they're doing. But they, like, they know synergy. You know, like, when, um, when Daredevil Season 2 on Netflix came out and The Punisher featured, they released, like, a five-issue miniseries of, like, the Daredevil and the, Daredevil and the Punisher. Um, and, and it's just a lot of stuff like that. Like, they know when things are coming out and, and they do try to, like, work that in in their comics. Um, and then, so, so when I see something like this, in which, like you said, there's no, look, there's no Challengers of the Unknown movie on the horizon. That's what I'm thinking. No movie, no TV show. I'd be amazed if there was even a comic. Yeah, to, to my knowledge, DC does not, like, and even, look, and here's the thing. Even if DC was putting out a Challengers of the, of the Unknown comic, would they, would they put the soft pilot into this, like, children's Scooby-Doo team-up book? It is kind of a children's Scooby-Doo team-up. That's true. And this is not... Honestly, this feels like a big spot for them. I feel like if there were actors portraying each of these characters, the Scooby-Doo team would be like, oh man, I can't believe this is this is where we're landing, doing little comics. Hey, no, it's okay. It's a good spot for us. It's good to be here right now. Challenges the unknown. This is like hitting Hollywood. They've, they've hit it big. Yeah, like this is... This is a, a huge spot for them. The last time we did a comic was Scooby-Doo Apocalypse, which was definitely aimed uh, at a at an older demographic way higher i mean when we're talking about older batman versus younger batman just in terms of the demographic they're shooting for that's the kind of difference here between uh scooby-doo apocalypse and this scooby-doo this is classic scooby-doo and i i don't know should we just get into it maybe a couple of thoughts on the art what was your impression on the style i love i love the style oh me um, too it's it's just it is really really classic Scooby-Doo. Um, all of them are on model, and they've also gone and um, illustrated all of these other uh, DC Comics uh, properties in the same style as well. So there's not this jarring like like if you were watching Space Jam, I guess <laughs> it's probably not the best example. I, I can't think of an example either where there's where they look different styles, but oh, um, there's not a live action Michael Jordan walking amidst the Looney Tunes of this comic. It's uh there was that one I never really watched the show because it looked horrible. There's a, a show called Drawn Together. Ooh, I heard that was good, but I never actually watched it. Oh yeah, but where they each look like their own. St- there's a lot of style differences. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen a full episode, but but I like I like that there's a house style and I like that it's very consistent, and it. <laughs> You know what I really hate? What? Um, hate's a strong word, but like Archie, which I love. I, uh, our listeners are really realizing right now like how much I love comic books. But like Archie is the king of crossovers. Like Scooby Doo has nothing on Archie comics. Dang, I didn't even know that. And I've read Archie crossovers like as a kid. Now it makes sense that you're saying it, but I never would have called that. So like Archie isn't just crossing over with Sabrina as it very often does, or right. with like. Josie and the Pussycats. Archie has crossed over with, like, The Punisher. Um, and what's the... Oh, here's the one that I'm thinking of that was, like, really big. Archie did a crossover with Glee. Whoa! I mean, it makes sense. Don't get me and, wrong. But whoa! Yeah, what I hated about it is they tried to draw the Glee actors in the in the Archie uh, art house style. Um, 
Does it then look like they're all like squinting and weird? They were well. Th- that's the thing. They, but they gave them a little bit more detail so that they were recognizable as the actors. So they they were in this weird valley, I guess, in between like what an Archie character should look like and what a f- what a realistic drawing of a person should look like. Oh yeah, Can't, they look like caricatures a little bit. Glancing at it, like their features are a little too. There's too many lines on them. That's exactly it. There are just too many lines. Like what? I mean, it's like comparing a like smiley face, just two dots in a line, to like a detailed face, like a cross-hatched etching. Have you seen that? Um, have you seen that? Uh, Tumblr post. It's just like I love drawing smiley faces, but like overdrawing the eyes, and so like, <laughs> yeah. two incredibly detailed eyes with like this little like, uh, just like an arc of a mouth underneath. Yeah, I do remember that. And so yeah. someone else like captioned it like, moisturize me. <laughs> Which is not a reference I get. Like I don't. Where's that from? Moisturize me. That's Doctor Who. I freaking I I refuse to watch Doctor Who. Yep, yeah, dude. We don't. We can't afford to lose any Doctor Who fans. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Evan and I love Doctor Who. It's so good. Mm, magic screwdriver. Bigger on the inside than the outside. David Tennant was my favorite. After all the others. Okay. I think we've appeased them. <laughs> I never... Can you actually edit out all of that? Maybe. Like, I hated every moment of you talking about Doctor Who. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. Um, this style is what we were last talking about. I just gotta say I love this style. This seems like the perfect... Unless you were going to try and do something grainy and kind of homespun to look like the original cartoon, I think this is the most faithful look that... A Scooby-Doo comic could possibly have and it's uh I don't know it's crisp it's clean the line work is great the colors are just so so nice it's so nice again I just feel like I could curl up with this on a rainy evening put me right to sleep and uh without further ado so let's um and and like I said we're gonna we're just gonna really blow through this issue um, it's going to be faster, because unlike Scooby-Doo Apocalypse, if you happen to have listened to our last episode where we read a comic and talked about it, there's actually more stuff going on outside of the speech bubbles than within it. Like, there's the pictures take up more space than the text. It's kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. Scooby-Doo Apocalypse with all the exposition. <gasps> I, had, I had that one caption that was making fun of how the whole, like, picture, like, they were looking on this looking out into the distance and the distance was completely covered by speech bubbles them covering up what they were talking about it was the most oh it's just so ham-fisted anyway we cut to the outside of fema the federal federal emergency management agency and there are two pretty like professional looking there's a professional looking man and woman um and i guess there there is an emergency that they must attend to and that emergency takes the takes the form of a small, like, bearded gnome character. Yeah, a man, a small bearded dude, the height maybe like a foot and a half tall, who claims to be the gnome king, and it feels like he's gone to the wrong agency. Like he should have called somebody first. This maybe he's been bounced around, and FEMA is just where he's landed. Kind of. I like, mean, if this is the DC universe, which I guess it is, he could have gone to wait. Who's the Doctor Strange of DC? doctor it's another doctor uh 
shoot. Don't they kind of use... Dr. F- Dr. Fate. Oh, you're right. No, Dr. Fate. I was going to say they use, what's his name? British trench coat guy. Oh, uh, Constantine? Constantine? What? Really? Yeah. I Apparently, I've been saying it wrong my entire life, and I don't like saying it the right oh, way. Oh, I feel like I just watched Justice League Dark, and they all said Constantine. Really? Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but, uh, I feel like John Con- I feel like he takes the role of, uh, Doctor Strange a lot. Like, they- they go to him for magical- Man, he's kind of an outhouse. Not outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Luke, he's if you him. don't like him, just say so. He's kind of a freaking outhouse, man. <laughs> he's stinky and I'll only use him if I have to and I'm at a concert. Um, the Gnome King should not be going to FEMA for this, but for whatever reason he has. Because it's really a personal problem for him that he says is a whole world problem. Yeah, he's saying, um, look, I might be your, your only hope. Um, seek out the locations on this map and gather the ingredients to a mystery elixir. elixir. A mystic elixir. It is a mystery elixir. Sorry, yeah, you're he, right. He, a he claims elixir. it's mystic. And bring it to me, and I'll use this elixir to save the world. Which is just like, uh, granted, I don't know a lot about U.S. government agencies, but I don't believe for a second you could go to one such agency and tell them, you need to bring me stuff so I can save the world. Yeah, I think they'd evaluate it on their own and then do the saving world thing on their own. I mean, they'd kidnap you and use your skills if they need to, I think. That's the most you can count on. But I think he probably precludes that by saying, but beware, there are some hidden elements that are fierce and that are guarding these things you're going to have to do. You're going to have to hit these two spots, pick up magic elements, and then meet up with me at the third spot. And now he's kind of lost them in the weeds with the details, and they've just kind of gone along with it, these two government officials. I I also like how the Gnome King doesn't specify what the world-threatening danger is. Wow, yeah, they really take that at face value, don't they? World-ending danger. We don't need to know what the danger is. We just need to know how to solve it. And maybe maybe that extends to like how serious the uh, these these FEMA agents are in terms of who they call because uh, the the male I guess he's he's just, uh, the male one says he's called the challengers of the of the unknown four full grown men and one full grown woman who have a lot of experience uh, I guess working with these these larger threats and who has the who has the female agent called. She's called Mystery Inc. Four teenagers and a dog. Uh, and one of those teenagers and the dog being extremely craven. Completely cowardly. Having solved many, many mysteries, still. But uh, ch- Challengers of the Unknown, again, are, are adventurers in these pulpy novels that deal specifically with the actual supernatural. Scooby-Doo, if we're just jumping in this comic randomly, we think of as a gang that only confronts a gang that only confronts fake monsters. So they've got some proving to do. Although, at the same time, no one knows who Challengers of the Unknown are, so really, as anyone reading this comic, they're the ones that have to prove themselves to us. Plus, they're guesting in Scooby-Doo's comic. As, as you might expect, in the very awkward sort of situation where like you've both been called to take on a task, there's some, like I would say, good... Sure, good-natured-ish, sort of like sniping back and forth. Um, I think there's some toxic masculinity here, man. These four beefy dudes in Challenges of the Unknown are really talking down to everyone else. Yeah, I I guess that's true. I do like the fact that... um, what And look, I'm not going to name 
Wait, should I? Should we name the challenges of the unknown? You can do it. I won't remember. You know what? Give me four. Give me the names. I'm not going to assign them to the appropriate people. I'm not even going to try. But just give me the names so I can pull them out of the bag like uh, Scrabble letters. Just when I need to name someone. You know what I, I really like? They don't, they don't list all of their names. A challenger of the unknown will speak to a member of Mystery Inc. And the Mystery Inc. member will respond with the, cha- with the name. <laughs> You're right. So, so one of them will be like, blah, 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 blah. And Velma will be like, so, so have, have we, we Ace. <laughs> uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, such and such and such. Rocky. That's not really fair, Rocky. Yeah. Uh, so you get, you get that in bits and pieces. I like that whatever this dude's name is, he says that the Justice League calls them in for their weird cases. And then Daphne rebuts him with like, oh, the Justice League also calls us. And then, I love that this guy's own people, more of the challengers than the unknown, are like, dude, that's why the Justice League hasn't called us in a while. <laughs> They're hanging out with these kids instead. And this is, that's, this is a perfect example of this really enjoyable brand of self-awareness that runs throughout this comic book. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. And I, I, I kind of like the dynamic of, uh, of these two groups trying to prove themselves to each other. They're each kind of judging each other. I mean, really, the challengers are judging them. But there's this little journey of gaining their approval and of the Mystery, uh, mystery Inc. improving themselves. That's, uh, that's really satisfying to watch. I mean, it's aimed at kids who want that kind of approval and affirmation. So it's definitely, I feel like, hitting the nail on the head with their demographic. And if we hadn't mentioned before, these Challengers of the Unknown are definitely adults. Like, Fred's pretty strong-looking, but these guys are beefy with skin-tight, like, muscly outfits and all that. Yeah, like, Fred, because he's wearing, I guess, a pull- a white pullover over this, like, collared blue shirt, he looks really... He looks shapeless compared to the Challengers of the Unknown. No, it feels like there's this bit... You think of this massive bully in your class... And then you meet a guy that works out, and you're like, oh, shoot, that bully's just heavier than I am. Like, it's not a good example, because Fred's a great guy. But these challenges, the unknown, I mean, that... Am I getting too fixated on their arms, or their... These dudes' arms just, like, amazing. Well, they're, they're drawn like, like comic book superheroes. Yeah, like, huge triceps. Man, these guys have amazing triceps. But, like, just really, like, squarish torsos and functional spare so i like i do want i do want to skip ahead in the action i do want to make one last comment i I don't want to leave the triceps but okay let's go and this is about scooby's voice because we we've skipped over reams of dialogue just because it's not like it's not the most notable but in fact we barely touched on the uh on mystery inc we haven't really told you anything about them but they're just reacting to challengers of the unknown up to this point but we should no, I think as you're about to, Scooby's voice, whether or not the R's are present. I don't, I don't think, I think that whoever wrote this, all due respect to Sholly Fish, who, who I think overall does a pretty decent job and kept me thoroughly entertained. I don't really like the way that this person uh, wrote Scooby. I thought it was very lazy. It just puts the R in front of everything, right? Literally everything. And I and, and think putting the R in front of everything just in such like a control F, like find and replaced type of way, um, or just like doing it across the board as a rule, doesn't actually sound right. Like I don't think Scooby puts an R in front of words that start with a vowel, does he? Uh, I don't know, maybe like, I... I... I'm sure he does sometimes, but it's just like, like the first line that Scooby says is, uh, <clears throat> uh, 
Ruvarog? And it's just like three, it's like so many R's that it gets lost. And you know that if you read it out loud, like you've all just heard me do, um, it doesn't, you, you lose I mean, you're saying you have a dog. Ruvarog. Ruvarog? Yeah, it's, it, it it's, gets lost. Yeah, you can't, you can't hear and it. Look, it is a really fine art because I, um, for one of our, uh, <clears throat> for Mystery Mask Mix-Up, for the show notes, the introduction to the show notes that I typed up, I had to, I typed up a fake conversation between Shaggy and Scooby, and it's tough. It's really hard to nail and ch- pick and choose which words yeah. Scooby would have an R in front of and which ones he wouldn't, but you can't have them all start with R. No, it just doesn't work that way. And if you read our funny captions on the screenshots we put on our website, you'll notice if I have a choice, I never type from Scooby's perspective. I never do dialogue that way. It'll always be shaggy because it is really tricky to do it right. And it's done maybe just a little too, I don't want to say lazily, um, slavishly. um, No, that's not the word I'm looking for. Officially. No. Incompetently. Nah, it's not that. Impotently. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so uh, so they, I mean, they just go for it. They're they're just going for it. But challenges the unknown are again being kind of jerks about this. They snatch the map up and they're like, "Hey, no, I'm gonna we're gonna take the map and we're gonna go solve this on our own." I like how you mentioned toxic masculinity, which I wanted to rebut. But now that I'm looking at these pages, I can see that the female member doesn't. Oh wait, no, she does have dialogue. But she doesn't have. Ah, does she not have... I guess they all have an equal amount. There are just so many of them, and I can't differentiate any of the men from one another. Yeah, the first time I read it, I thought there was a woman, and then one man whose hair changed color at will, like talks from Harry Potter. Uh, but the whole point is that the Challengers of the Unknown are really talking down to Mystery Inc., really, as you, as you said, pa- patronizing them, and decide to just, like, leave... take the map from the FEMA agents, there's a map with these three locations, and, and going on their own. Uh... Velma, however, uh, really demonstrates her her quick thinking and capability, and she takes a snapshot of the map with her smartphone. So she gets that little snapshot, which is good, because Daphne was already like, this is not cool that these guys are acting this way towards us. And I'll say, I like that it's the women in the gang that uh, both have the plan of action and decide that they're not okay with this. I think that's pretty cool. Um, the gang make their way, they're, they're on the ocean floor, uh, which is incredible, because it looks like they're just wearing, like, regular scuba diving equipment, and the pressure is incredible. I gotta say real quick, it's, uh, Scooby and Shaggy had to be dragged along to that, and we have to remember that they're not heroes, they're just along for the ride. And I like the way that they're convinced to come. It's not bribed with a Scooby snack or anything like that. Did, did you remember how the Fred convinces them? Yeah, Fred tells them that if the world is in... Much like in mild spoilers for the first Guardians of the Galaxy. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, if the galaxy yeah. is... Like, I live in the galaxy. We need to save it so that I'm okay. Yeah, Sh- Shaggy and Scooby are like, we want to stay home. And Fred's like, the world is a danger. Home is no more safe than the bottom of the ocean right now. And... And Jay's like, yeah, you know what? That that makes sense, Fred, old buddy. I uh, I love it. It works just like on Star Lord. And so we find ourselves at the bottom of the ocean. And uh, man, I love any time they put Scooby in gear that's obviously had to be painstakingly modified for a dog. I love imagining that that scuba rental person who who for that moment had to 
how to become a tailor as well. So this is okay. So this is the first instance of my favorite recurring gag in this issue in that um, the gang is down there. They're looking for whatever this ingredient for the elixir is. And they see another group come up and they're like, oh, frick, dude, like the challengers beat, beat us here. Um, and it turns out that they're not the challengers. They're the sea devils. And I quote, uh, this is the woman speaking. I'm Judy, and this is Dane, Nikki, and Biff. We solve weird mysteries underwater. <laughs> yep, and uh, and of course you can tell upon closer inspection that they're not actually the uh, they're not actually the challengers because they're all wearing red, not reddish purple, and because the dudes don't have chiseled abs. They definitely do. The dudes in the Sea Devils do not have chiseled abs. The challengers do. True oh, fact. Oh, you're right. Yeah, the sea devils, uh, they're, 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 like, their traps, their, their biceps, their triceps, their pecs are in, are in impeccable shape. They're all but beefy. But they don't, they don't have the abs that the, that the challengers do. I think they've got an extra layer of padding, either in the clothing or in just, just, uh, blubber for warmth. But you mentioned the first of the recurring tropes. I love that we have basically a second version of the challengers here. And the Sea Devils, in case you're wondering if this is made up for the purposes of this comic, they're not. These actually were a, a team of characters published by DC Comics back in the day. Uh, so I, like, I want to skip ahead through some of the action here. And basically, a, a Plesiosaur, or as Scooby says, a Reronster, uh, shows up. <laughs> or as Shaggy says, a giant guppy. And sorry, Shag, but... Like, a Plesiosaur looks nothing like a... A Plesiosaur looks like the Loch Ness Monster. At first, I thought he said giant puppy, and it it was worse to say giant guppy. Like, it made less sense looking at this thing. Uh, but they... Uh, the Challengers of the Unknown and the Sea Devils work in tandem with one another to catch this Plesiosaur in a titanium net, which allows Velma to uh, extract some of what the first ingredient for the elixir is. Yeah. And uh, even though Velma does help in this small way, uh, whatever his name is, Ace, let's say, of the Challenger says, now do you guys see what the deal is? This place is dangerous. You shouldn't meddle. You should let us handle this kind of stuff. Um, and the girls kind of have a huddle. The uh, One of the... Judy of the Sea Devils kind of huddles up with Daphne, and she's like, oh, don't worry about him. The Challengers always tell us to let them handle things too. And Daphne's like, no, that's okay. I'm not gonna, we're not going to pay attention to them. And for me, that's the part of this kind of comic that I really love most, which is gossip. I guess it's gossip, superhero gossip. It's, it's nice to have these little pieces of dialogue uh, between the various characters. Yeah, you get people's takes on each other, because at a certain point, we kind of become uh, numbed, kind of inured to who like one character is relative to another. I don't know, I'm, I'm harping on the same point. We cut from the first location where we've successfully gotten that magic little piece of little puddle of water to a cave deep underground. Uh, and this is a, it's like a subterranean tunnel, uh, a cave. Uh, this time the challengers have beaten them to the elixir first. And the challengers are just like, I can't believe, look, you guys are resourceful for getting here. But as we said, hella dangerous. Uh, and you really should just leave this to us. And Shaggy and Scooby say, yep, definitely, we're going to get out of here, we're good to go, which, of course, means something is about to show up that's going to prevent them from doing that. And how would you... What? what go ahead. And, uh, well, let me... I just... It's so frustrating to me that, like, 
Shaggy's like, like, that sounds good to me. And then uh, Scooby says, Rich Ray's Rorexit. And it's just like four R's in a row like that. It's maddening. It's maddening to me. And maybe there's no better way of doing it, but it's somehow it does bug me when I see the um, voiced by Scooby, you know, like, um, as R-H-E. Like, it doesn't feel... Like, they're literally just putting an R instead of the first letter of whatever word Scooby's saying. Not sounding it out at all. Like, rich weighs the exit. R-H-I-C-H. Like, the her... Rich... I don't know. Am I being unreasonable? This is unfair. No, it's it's almost like there was a tool that they found online in which they could type in dialogue normally and they could click it and it would ch- it would change the first letter of every word to an R. Listeners, if that app exists, bring it to our attention. Frankly, I'd be surprised if it didn't. Uh, but you were you were asking me what uh, what what uh, appears. Um, what monster appears to cap the first half of this comic? Oh my gosh. Uh, you you had a PlayStation once upon a time. Oh right? yeah, PS One, probably my favorite did ever, system. Did you ever play uh, fighting games? Uh some fighting games, not a lot. Did you ever play a fighting game called Bloody Roar? Ooh, never did. That sounds familiar though. Um, you could I would play it in arcades sometimes. Um, Bloody Roar was a game in which uh, you would play as like a normal human fighter, and then once you you once you charge up your beast meter, you could you would turn into like a beast version of yourself dang that's so cool oh man i would have loved this it as was a kid. so cool uh and and so there's this one character named bakuryu and he's like a ninja but his uh his evolve or his like beast mode is a mole he's bakuryu the mole and this looks like what he looks like but naked and like so jacked like like, all he does is lift and drink protein. Dang, Bloody Roar looks really cool. Yeah, it's incredible. This is... Man. Are we... Is this... Is this a Bloody Roar podcast now? I think... Dude, I think we're pivoting hard to Bloody Roar, man. <laughs> we're not even going to talk about characters. We're just going to have a fight and then talk about that fight. Recap it for you over the course of an hour and a half every week. We're, we're now the Bloody Dudes. <laughs> I think Bloody Roods, maybe. <laughs> Oh, this this thing that appears does look kind of like that. It looks like a it's a mole, right? It's a mole creature. It's it's a mole, and it, I love how it looks like this mole has never skipped any of the days. Oh, this mole is so jacked. This is an e- perhaps equally obscure reference, but um oh man, never mind. I'm not even gonna make it. It's an anime reference. I don't need to go there. <laughs> um, but it's oh, this thing is so huge and jacked. I guess it was kind of foreshadowed with all the the gratuitous muscle flexi moments with the challengers that they're now their challenger has arrived oh yeah also is that supposed to be the front teeth of the mole that we're seeing there i do believe it is the front teeth yeah two enormous buck teeth that looks weird that looks like front lip slash front teeth um but what happens is the challengers of the unknown are like we'll handle this um but a a car a futuristic car with a drill comes out from the ground and scares the mole away and who should come out of this car or vehicle but um cave carson and his crew christy johnny and bulldozer uh and their pet lemur lena and they solve weird mysteries underground <laughs> i love that and also to to continue i think i'm sure you listeners are wondering yes their abs are jacked as heck 
In fact, their abs are so freaking cut that it makes the challenges of the unknown abs look like the sea devil's abs. <laughs> and I'm that's not exaggerating. Actually, no, that's actually so accurate. I am just noticing it right now, but it's so true. And it's not even just the abs. It's like their quads and thighs are just like Oh my gosh, yeah, they're, heck. their quads are so shapely. They didn't will, skip leg day either. Uh, <laughs> Looking around Wikipedia, what I was able to find out was that um, a, a lot of these uh, comics came out at the same time. Uh, Challenges of the Unknown, The Sea Devils, Cave Carson never had got a team name. Yeah, no, it's Cave Carson and then all his other people. Cave Carson was the name of the main guy, who was the most recognizable of anyone we've seen yet outside of the mystery team, in that he has a beard. Uh, I will I will say one more thing, and this is, uh, I, I guess, something that um, modern-day comic book readers will get. But f- in this very brief exchange of dialogue, uh, Fred says, So you're a Cave Carson. Funny, I heard you had a cybernetic eye. And Cave Carson says, A lot of people have been saying that lately. I'm not sure how that crazy rumor started. Um, uh, DC has an imprint called a Wild Animal, or sorry, Young Animal. Um, that's actually like edited by Gerard Way of um, My Chemical Romance. Mm. And it's a lot of... And it's still, like, superhero stuff, but it's not drawn in sort of, like, the regular, like, you know, rock'em, sock'em, punch'em-up mainstream superhero style. And it's a lot of just, like, smaller... I guess more avant-garde books. Um, And they're playing with, like, these different... They're still DC properties... But they're and there's like, still like fun, snappy action, but it's more artful and it's uh, more experimental. And one of the books is called Cave Carson Has a Cybernetic Eye. And I gotta say, it looks gorgeous. I haven't read it, but I love the look of it. And, and so that is a really fun little line. But I think that also leads back to what I've been asking, which is like who this comic is for. Yeah, I, I feel like this is going for cross-demographic appeal, kind of like some Scooby-Doo uh, cartoons we've seen recently. And I don't know, Cave Carson is more recognizable, I think, just because he's more distinct than any of the groups we've seen so far. Um, the, the beard goes a, a long, long way, way, like a very, very long yeah. way. And he ultimately, uh, I mean, uh, Cave Carson spawned out of Challengers of the Unknown. He was a, a minor character who originally appeared in there and then got his own series. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny that Cave Carson is sort of the guy who's still around doing stuff. I think it, it goes to show individuality makes a difference. I mean, if if Scooby-Doo was called Mystery Inc. and nothing else was different, I wonder if it would have had the lasting power that it had. That's a that's a really interesting point. Because there were, that's a, we're there were so many we other talk that. shows that came out that had, like, mystery-solving teens and then another non-human entity. And we, I think in our very first episode, talked about that. Yeah, I think you're right, we did. And Scooby-Doo is the unique element in that, I think. And and Shaggy and just the voice work being done on it being of such a high caliber. We're getting into cartoon territory in the middle of a comic yeah. now. Sorry. Um, um, Cave Carson shows up out of the ground in what's like a Tenga Top and Jetsons vehicle. Uh, yeah, as I said, he like scares them away. Uh, and then they need to go get the last ingredient. Um, and they actually head back to the base of the Challengers, Challengers Mountain. Yes, uh, all in the Challengers plane, I think. Yep, they all pile into the Challengers plane. And just that one frame of all of the Challengers and all of Mystery Inc. in the plane together, 
It's insane. It's actually incredible. There are sorry, let me count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Nine nine people and a and a great Dane all squeezed into this little cockpit. Yeah, it's true. That must be intimate. And oh man, it's this team up part of the joke if you haven't gotten it yet, is the impractically large number of people that have appeared in this team up so far. The five identical challengers of the unknown were too much to begin with, and then they just decided, you know what? Let's keep throwing more obscure teams at them. Um, they they look over and they see that the Gnome King is speaking to the challengers of the unknown. Yes, the gnome, it, within the challengers of the unknown's base. And uh, the Gnome King turns and is like, what, there's two sets of challengers? What the heck's up with this? And the challengers that he's speaking to say... Ah, but there, of course there's only one. But we aren't the real challengers. And then they all take off masks. And the funny thing is that it's five, it's four jack dudes and a lady. And the dudes that take off their masks pretty much take off masks that look like other members of their own group. <laughs> they could have just not worn masks and they all would have been fine, except for the person of color. Who yeah, is. There's, there's a black dude with glasses and a mustache. He's the only outlier. He maybe they all wore masks for him. I guess. Um, I will say so. They uh, they call themselves the Secret Six. Um, the Secret Six out of all of these, actually, I think the Secret Six has had the most lasting popularity in DC Comics, um, because more recent incarnations of the Secret Six have been very Suicide Squad e. They've been sort of like anti-hero slash villains together in this group of six and they've sort of been this more like they're like an edgier you know like willing to do things that justice league won't kind of group Um, yeah i mean just looking at their they came out in 1968 so almost 10 full years after challengers the unknown debuted and eight years after cave carson and the other ones we've looked at and if i'm just looking at their 88 one of their 88 issues and it's uh, it looks kind of dark, kind of gritty. Its use of black and absence um, feels almost a little Mike Magnola esque. And one of um, like I think I think like Bane might have been a member of the Secret Six, hmm. but just like yeah, they're they're like utilizing like characters that people actually know. So like I guess you could call them like the Secret Six by name in name only. Uh, I would love to name these characters. These characters in the Secret Six actually have names worth naming, unlike Ace, Biff, and Red, and oh, yeah, Judy. How, how about we go back and forth? Okay, yeah. Right? Like, you say one and I'll say one. Go for it. So you want to start? Yeah, you're going to go. Uh, Stuntman, King Savage. Sick name. What a sick name. King Savage. So cool. Uh, there's supermodel and martial arts mistress Crimson Dawn. Scientist, Dr. August Durant. Boxer, Tiger Force. Oh my word. Wow. And maybe maybe the least of them, stage magician, Carlo de Rienzi. And Carlo de Rienzi is not a bad name, but just say magician, man. Don't say stage magician. <laughs> Don't say stage magician. It sounds it so much Because it makes it like all you can do is just like sleight of hand tricks. <laughs> exactly, like be a magician man um and then and and finally the the follow-up i'll let, please yeah, take her there's a makeup artist extraordinaire lily denouve who apparently is the person who made these masks i like it's not makeup if they're wearing masks right yeah 3d printing artist extraordinaire it turns out this is really interesting um okay first of all their abs are this is great because they're wearing 
the Challengers of the Unknown jumpsuits, which are like a magenta, like a bright pink magenta. Um, yeah, with like a, a symbol of a time uh, of an hourglass on them. Uh, and they pull off yeah. these uh, to reveal their own jumpsuits or outfits, which are like a, a sky blue top over like a dark blue pant. But once they take off the Challengers of the Unknown jumpsuits, you can see their abs. They're ripped to shiz, my friend. These guys' abs, again, they make the Challengers of the Unknown look like the Sea Devils. <laughs> wow, it's supposed to be, I feel like this is just a journey of, of humility for Challengers of the Unknown. For one thing, the Secret Six managed to break into their, their secret base. Here's the most interesting thing to me about, um, about the, the Secret Six, is that apparently... Um, they're led by uh, a person named Mockingbird, and that Mockingbird is secretly one of their members, but it's it's a complete mystery. So they're a group that engages in espionage mis- missions, but there's a mystery within that group itself, which I think is fascinating. I think it's a, it's amazing. The the pity is that we don't get to explore it more because the implications are you are immediately evident, which is like. One person goes off to go to the bathroom. You're like, oh, are we about to get some, like, mission instructions now? <laughs> is this where it's happening? You're, you're constantly analyzing, was this person it's, gone then? It's also What's like, happening? and because there are, like, six of them. Imagine, like, you know Charlie's Angels? <laughs> yeah. Imagine, imagine Charlie's Angels, but every time they sat in Bosley's office... One of them conspicuously left. <laughs> and then came back in as a dude. Well, no, just like one of them left and then, and then like, um, Charlie started talking to them. It would pop up. On the, uh, yeah. on the thing. And then Charlie's like, oh, where's such and such? And like, oh, she just went to powder her nose. She's always there. It's just, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, no, it's that kind of thing. Like, they must not all get their, you start thinking of the implications. Like, they must not all get their instructions at the same time. What happens when they start bad talking the boss? Like, oh, Mockingbird sucks. I know, I can't believe Mockingbird made us do that. I think Mockingbird's pretty cool, actually. I, I think Mockingbird's got a good, got looking out for all of us. <laughs> like, okay, like my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite SNL sketch of recent years. I did not uh, this might be divisive. We might lose some listeners. I did not like Force Awakens. The best dude, dude, thing... Dude, we can't lose our Star Wars fan. Man, I loved Force Awakens. Man, it was like the Doctor Who of Star Wars. No! <laughs> uh, the Force Awakens is the Star Wars what the Sea Devil's abs are to the challengers of the Unknown's abs. Ooh! <laughs> I can't, I can't delete that now. It's too true for me to remove. You and I weren't crazy about Force Awakens. We're not going to litigate it right now, but what's your point? My, my, my favorite part of Force Awakens is that, um, what's his name? Adam Driver yeah. was the host of SNL, and they did that sketch <laughs> of undercover bosses. I hear Kylo Ren's got an eight-pack and he's shredded it to heck. That's I freaking yeah. That's what I that's what I imagine uh, when you were talking about like them being yeah. Mockingbird's cool. <laughs> I hear Mockingbird has the best abs of all of us. I hear Mockingbird's shredded. <laughs> the parallel couldn't be better because they are they do have amazing abs, and I'd say the Secret Six had the best pecs and forearms and too. W- just to cap all of that off, I do like that Fred asks, "Have you tried pulling off Mockingbird's mask?" Because yeah, one of the Secret Six. Who is it? Excuse me, if you'll give me a moment. Dr. Carlo Rienzi, who also has a gray streak in his air, as if they're not cool enough as it is, he shows him, like, a picture of Mockingbird on a cell phone. 
and it's this uh, just a figure in a white hood with eye holes. Oh, so uh, we then find out um, that look, th- there's a lot of talking amongst themselves, right, between the challengers of the unknown and the secret six and Mystery Incorporated and the Gnome King. If he, if you'll remember, the Gnome King is trying to save the world with this elixir. We don't know how. We don't know from what, but um, the Gnome King is running out of patience and reveals to everyone that uh, I tricked you into risking your lives to bring me the ingredients for the elix- for the liquid light elixir that fuels my power. You challengers never suspected that the Gnome King was really me, your greatest foe, Multiman. And he takes off uh, his facial hair and head hair to reveal- and he, like he's the same size. If anything, he looks weaker because- <laughs> Because, because he's such like, oh, oh god, don't make me make a comparison. <laughs> well, because before he had a cloak that gave him like a yeah. shapeless body, but he takes off the cloak and he's so diminutive. No, he looks like he's the runner-up for the winning spot in like a cancer wrestling match or something. <laughs> <laughs> like he's wearing a onesie. But he's so emaciated, and he's got this swollen <laughs> head. And that's a thing with multi-man. This is a normal multi-man thing. Oh, gosh. Why am I saying this? <laughs> Ooh. He looks so weak. I even I even like how you were like, oh, man, please don't make me say this. <laughs> As you then remained silent, and I said it. <laughs> <laughs> like you knew. You knew where I was going. Like, the words were tumbling out of me. I just couldn't stop it. I think after Multiman reveals himself, we have a a shot of the whole gang and many of the members of the Secret Six and Challengers of the Unknown uh, looking on in just, like, shocked surprise. Um, And then talking amongst themselves, like, who the heck is Multiman? What? I love it. They they completely ignore him. And then (laughs) Multiman gets, like, angry again because he's... and not to only do they fair, ignore him when they're talking, like, who is Multiman, but, like, Scooby and Shaggy, who are, like, horrified on the reveal, just, like, go back to, like, normal smiling. <laughs> they're they, cool. They grin at each other. As someone's explaining it, like, they're talking, they're at a wine club now. And, and uh, Velma points out, because Velma's great in this uh, comic, It there's so little hmm. room for, like, individual bright moments, but I feel like she has, this is her second, she says... Sorry, no disrespect intended, but the truth is, we didn't give you the elixir yet. I have it. And then, amazingly, it's Crimson Dawn who says, and I'll let you take it. And we have guns. And she holds up a gun. <laughs> she genuinely has a gun. We haven't seen these yet from anyone. The, uh, the Challengers of the Unknown just grab stalactites wherever they're at. They don't apparently carry weapons. I friggin' love the fact that Velma's like, hey, you don't have the elixir to give you your power. And this, this spy is just like, also, we'll shoot you. And this is the point where we might need to learn a little bit about Multiman, because Multiman says, oh, you think you're so smart? Give me the elixir or I'll destroy myself. Which, look... I understand that there are some cases in which a villain or, yeah, I, the villain or the antagonist will be like, I, I'll, I'll jump off this building or something like that. You know what I mean? Because the hero can't let people die. It's just one of those instances. Oh, yeah, where the hero saved everyone else and the only person left to save to make the hero truly heroic is the villain himself. Yeah, it, it just seems like one of those situations. 
Um, at least initially. And and Daphne Daphne very aptly points out, um, don't you mean you'll destroy us? Yeah, like I th- I think we're on the chopping block here, man. Um, but uh, Biff or whatever his name is from Challenge of the Unknown corrects Daphne. No, actually, that's the thing with this with Multi Man is when he dies, he comes back with even greater superpowers. Um, he's pretty much immortal, and it's not the case that it's necessarily greater superpowers, is it, dude? It's it's so conf- it it is really confusing. Yeah, this guy Biff or whatever says every time he dies, he comes back with even greater superpowers. And then um, Multi Man chimes in once again. Exactly. Either you give me, and this is the thing: either you give me the elixir, which will give me power, or I'll destroy myself and I'll come back with more power. Why did you need the elixir, man? Obviously, we don't believe killing yourself is going to give you power because then you wouldn't need the elixir. And, and I guess a, a dive into Multiman's Wikipedia page tells me that he gets a different superpower every time he dies and reincarnates. So we don't know how he would be becoming more powerful. We don't even know how he's powerful right now from the comic. He's not like a... Uh, this is a comic book, so I can make a comic book comparison. Like, like you know Doomsday, like the monster that kills Superman? I don't know that much about Doomsday, actually. Apparently, part of the deal with Doomsday is he they just kept killing him over and over until he got really strong. Hmm. Um, and here's the thing that I love, is you have Shaggy chiming in, also with a little bit of logic, and he's like, are you, like, sure about that? I'm, I'm sorry, I can't, I'm not going to do the voice. If, Dude, you do the voice pretty well, but, uh, but you can uh, do it or not as yeah. you please. If, if I had that power, I'd never destroy myself. I'd be too scared that maybe the stuff wore off and I'd die for real. Which is... And he plants this little seed of doubt uh, into Multiman. Really, probably the hardest hit Multiman has ever taken is that one right there, to his certainty that he's always safe. And Multiman does say, hmm, I never thought of that. But it's okay, so long as I drink that elixir, I'm good. Which again... He there's this incredibly circular logic with with multi man, I guess multi refers to the number of like levels of logic <laughs> you have to go through to reach where he is. It's just what I don't know what dimension chess he's playing, but it's not the same one I'm living in. Yeah, so he says, "Give me the elixir." Like, and and again, I don't understand why he doesn't just throw himself off the mountain, come back stronger take the elixir and get even stronger there's no reason that i can discern and velma says what makes perfect sense is like oh you mean this elixir oops i dropped it like that there you go problem solved and look if velma velma's doing the right thing if she drops the elixir and it smashes multi-man can no longer use it unless he is pretty keen on the idea of lapping up broken test tube glass and I don't get the impression that he's a tough enough person to do that. I think he wants power without pain. Um, certainly, he has not gained at all. <laughs> so I presume there has been no pain in the process in his workout regimen. And and the red-headed challenger of the unknown uh, somersaults or like hands handsprings into action. He handsprings into action and catches the vial before it hits the ground and says, "If we wouldn't think of letting it smash." And it's like, dude, why? Why? The only reason we get... You remember that, like, this was the Gnome King. He's the one that told us to get it or the world would end. Like, that no longer is a thing. Um, and then the black-haired challenger of the unknown punches Multiman in the face. He, he doesn't just pull, punch Multiman in the face. He punches him, at, like, with the back of his hand as if with a sharp rack of, rap of the knuckles 
as Multiman is somehow at shoulder level with him. And not only that, but Multiman's pants have disappeared for that frame. I also, here's the thing, at any moment in this action sequence, Crimson Dawn could have just shot him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, I want to imagine that, like, she just couldn't get a clean shot. There's, and then, like, I don't understand uh, the challengers who, even after Fred tells them, just destroy the elixir, say, nah, we're going to keep it. Even Scooby and Shaggy say, pretty with a, a real degree of self-awareness, like, we wouldn't even keep that. If we kept it by, we might, like, get thirsty and drink it. It's like, man, that's, know thyself, Shaggy. Wow. There's no reason, there's no reason for the challengers to hold on to it. Who... All it does is give powers, as far as we know, to Multiman. That's the only purpose of it right now. Unless you can reverse engineer it into an elixir that robs Multiman of his powers, there's no reason for you to hold on to this. That might be worth it. If, but they don't say what they're going to do with it. Just, we'd better hang on to this. And then they fly off. And it's like, man, you, you guys were just straight up jerks. That's what you were. And then, and then here's, and then uh, we are treated to one final group yes uh, because... and i will say mm-hmm. um something really interesting it's um it's it's rip hunter uh who i will mention really quickly again this is a little bit of comic book trivia rip hunter is is a time traveler in dc comics and he has actually continued into like present continuity he's still rip hunter the guy who travels through time yeah with um that show that i totally watch League of Ordinary Secondary Characters. Justice League action? No, I mean, uh, no, Rip Hunter's in the, uh... Oh, which one? In the Arrowverse show. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's still a dude. Um, Can you tell us the names of Rip Hunter's crew, who we know have also uh, catapulted themselves into relevance in recent years? Um, If you'll give me a moment. Bonnie, Corky... And Jeff. As as cool as the Secret Six members are... Okay, sorry. Um, Bonnie, Corky, and Jeff are to the Secret Six names as, as the Sea Devil's abs are to the Challengers of the Unknown's abs. Ooh, okay, sorry, one more time on that. It's so complicated. Because they're at the bottom rung. There's no doubt about it. And not just because they have green suits with red fringe. Like, they're all elves. Holy holy crap. Even, like, their boots have, like, these little flared cuffs. Exactly like elves. They're Christmas elves, man. They're, they're, like, um, they're like Captain America's boots, but they're short, which makes them I, elf I want to say, these, these guys are to the Sea Devils. Not even as the Sea Devils are to the Challengers. But as the Sea Devils are to the Secret Six, like, there is some distance there. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that Velma, and again, I'm going to say right now, Velma MVP mm. of this comic book. Uh, she says they're not aliens because they do come down in, like, a, a spherical black alien-looking ship. She says, nope, more Earthlings. Another leader, big guy, woman, and kid brother. Is anybody else sensing a pattern here? Velma is the best in this comic. And we find out that it's Rip Hunter and his little gang that actually called the Secret Six to come here. He also called the Sea Devils. Mm-hmm. And Cave Carson. And the Secret Six. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the Challengers of the Unknown. So they, they called all of them. 
Um, because they've been to the future. That's Rip Hunter's whole thing. He's a time traveler, so they were, they've been to the future. They knew that there'd be monstrous creatures that could be faced, and so they, they sent them all in on this together. And my thought is, like, why did you send additional help to complete the villain's task? Why not send help to stop the villain? Especially because the Sea Devils and Cave Carson only showed up to help get stuff for the villain. They didn't help with the end part at all. It's also one of those really troubling things with, like, time travel, where it's like, do you kill Hitler, or do you just, like, find the date of Hitler's conception and um, ring the doorbell? Do you know what I mean? That's a good way of putting it. We do... Luke, what would you do if you met a time traveler? Oh, man. What would you ask them? I mean, it's either, like, what would happen to me later in life, or like hot stock tips right it's you either want to know specific to yourself like what am i going to do where am i going to be is my job going to be here is my relationship going to be there just like some quick and dirty questions or just something to make you money like velma is so she's either altruistic or and it really is probably the latter she's just trying to rock the boat because that's probably more what it is she turns to corky and she asks him, since you're from the future, you probably know who Je- who Mockingbird really is. And um, what is it? How, how the lady doth protest? Is that like the line? You mean the lady doth protest too much? The, the lady doth protest too much. In this case, the lady is... Um, shoot, what's his name? Let me flip back. Dr. something. August something? Ar- Ardent. Aug- August, August Durant. August Durant. Uh, Durant. And he's yeah. the one who's just like, don't like, don't say it, like, don't say who don't Mockingbird say it. is. Don't tell him who the Mockingbird is. <laughs> yeah. And this is the incredible part. This is the last page of this comic. This is the very last page. This story will come to a close. It is not a multi-part series. This is just a standalone comic. On the top panel, you have all the rest of the Secret Six members turning to August Durant and just being like, "Your Mockingbird." You're the one who made us risk our lives all those times. And they and... either have, like, their arms at on their hips, on, like, out in front of them, kind of, like, very tensed. Or the one dude who's pointing at them also has, like, another hand raised that says he's about to go for Mockingbird. And it's... And this has been an unspoken thing in the comic. We don't know what they actually want to do to Mockingbird. Mockingbird could have, like, kill chips implanted in the base of their necks. It's so tense. Um, and you know what's incredible is I have the wiki up here, um, mm-hmm. and apparently it only lasted seven issues. And in the original Secret Six, um, which ran from 1968 to 1969, they ended that series without ever revealing who Mockingbird was. Wow. That's such a waste. Can you imagine reading um, issues one through seven of the original Secret Six and then getting closure in Scooby-Doo team-up <laughs> number 30. 2017. Oh my gosh. Hold on. Let me just do the math here. That's 48 years. That's almost 50. That's almost five decades. This is like, um, there's some guy out there who's like Nathan in the temple when he finally like sees the baby Jesus and he's like, I can die now. Oh man. Robbed of all significance. No one knows what this means anymore. But that was Mockingbird. Dr. Og... Ardent... August... August Durant. August Durant. It's a cool name. And you know what's... I mean, like... 
Well, you mean the fact that his Mockingbird persona is wearing a white hood with slits in the eyes and he's the only person of color in the comic? Is that what you were about to say? That is exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, man. I, th- I guess it was a clever ploy to draw attention away from himself. Are you kidding? Why would I be Mockingbird? Um, everything ends... So we, we, we close on that in this extremely tense moment where, like, his teammates who have, like, trusted him for years realize that he's actually betrayed their trust. And that's it for Secret Six. We don't see any more of them. The only other wrap-up we have is between the Challengers and Mystery Incorporated. And I, I really like the dialogue here. I think it's really great, and it, it, it's classic Scooby-Doo. It is good. Do you want to read it out? Uh, yeah, we can just read the last three panels, actually. All right. Um, do you want to be the Mystery Inc. members or the Challengers? Um, you be the first Challenger, then I'll be Fred, and then you can be Daphne. I'll be Velma, and you can wrap it. Let's go back and forth one after another. Okay. How about that? So I think I'm Ace. Yes. I'm whatever. Or I'm the Biff. blonde one. Or Dinky. Um, well, I have, I have to admit, I had my doubts about you kids at first. But you really did step, keep up with us every step of the way. We do what we can, but the challengers of the unknown will always be the originals. And then this is uh, Daphne. You know, I never realized there were so many teams solving weird mysteries. Under sea, in caves, even traveling through time. Maybe we need some kind of gimmick too. Velma now. I don't think so. We already have one thing that none of them have. And then I'm uh, another male challenger. What's that? Scooby-Doo. And the final frame, that final splash is Velma hugging Scooby. Throttling. Throttling (laughs) Scooby. Yeah, with her hands around and arms around his neck. Scooby grins and the challengers look on. As the challengers look on and I I guess they're uh, delighted. Yeah, they're happy. It's, It's interesting that we end with Velma and Scooby, who are really the two main characters of this, I feel. It's a really, really nice close to this adventure. And and you can't expect a book like this to deliver a classic Scooby-Doo mi- mystery. Um, so a lot of the tropes that we tend to look for are... Uh, there's no point in really running through mm. them. That's true. They're, they're just not going to be there. Um, between the running gag of introducing more characters and the fact that it's already a team-up comic, there's only so much room for, uh, for really Scooby time. I would love, love, love... To read a comic sometime and discuss it with you that's just scooby and the gang done in the classic style because this style is i could read this forever i know that some people have been throwing around the idea with uh and i feel bad but i feel like i can't stop now saying with saying jonathan colton berry <laughs> john colton berrythan no which was <laughs> yeah some people have been like throwing around the idea that like oh maybe be cool scooby-doo can sort of get a second life via a comic book, uh, which I think would be phenomenal, obviously. It would work really well. I think it would translate perfectly. I mean, it would be in some... I mean, of course, it would be disappointing just because it's such an amazing series, but still, I, w- I would read that. I would buy that and own that. Treasure it on my wall. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I brought... I kind of kicked off this episode by asking and then asking again throughout the course of uh, reading through this comic book, who is this Who is this book for and are, is it for you? This book is definitely for me. I'm into it. I, you know, even if I don't, in, in a series like this, 
or at an issue like this, even if I don't know any of the team up characters, as I really don't, not even a single one of them, it's still a lot of fun. And it's well-written. The drawing, the, the art is perfect. It's just so clean. It's everything I want out of a Scooby comic. This comic is for me, even though the team-up is something I couldn't be less interested in. But it frames it in such a way that you can appreciate it. And uh, it makes a joke out of it. Yeah, we, we've kind of flamed the challengers of the unknown for literally being unknown. Um, but the writer of this of this book, um, uh, Fish, uh just does a really really great job uh keeping it funny and like keeping the story going and and we breezed past so much of it but it's like it's it's engaging and and entertaining yeah i'm i think i'm glad we didn't get bogged down in too much of the play-by-play because we would never finish the uh the podcast but it's a fun read i'd encourage anyone to go out pick this issue up if you're you know skeptical on challengers of the unknown or you want something fresh look into it there's a lot of different team-ups you can really pick whatever you like like I know for a fact, there's an there's a there's an issue where um, the the gang they go to Paradise Island, like where Wonder Woman hails from, which I think has to be a ride. I because it's an island of women. I actually read a little bit of that, and it has um, Daphne and Velma dressing up in a warrior or Amazonian warrior garb. It's pretty cool. Um, so I I'd say this is definitely aimed at me, aimed right at the heart. But then again. I, I say this, this for me, this is ideal bedtime reading because when I was a kid, my dad would occasionally give me a comic to read before bed. And it was sometimes Archie, sometimes it was Casper the Friendly Ghost or Yosemite Sam or anything. Scooby-Doo comics were almost always my favorite. Nothing better. And this has that feel. What, what about you? Is this a comic for you? I mean, I obviously, even without like going to Google and without going to Wikipedia, I picked up a lot of the, the comic references. Mm. But I do think it was for me just because I really enjoyed it. And I also do think, and I'm going to speak on behalf of, uh, I guess, children, that I I think this would be a hit with kids as well. I think kids would like it. I agree with you. I, would, I think I would have loved this as a kid. And the fact that some of these characters are foreign to me, that's not a bad thing. You, As a kid, sometimes you want to explore, you want to meet new people, and... Fiction is a way to do that in a safe way, to explore and to learn new things and interact with new ideas and characters that you never met before in a way that it confers no risk. Yeah, like maybe this issue isn't going to fly off the shelves like um, like Scooby-Doo and the gang meet like The Flash or something like that. Mm. Um, but all that said, I would it, it's, still, it's still worth reading. It's... I, f- I feel like if you neglected this issue because it didn't have well-known characters in it, you'd be doing yourself a di- you would be doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, and also this is this is the series where you're gonna find the freshest, the most relevant, the most long time coming Hanna Barbera and DC updates. I mean, who was Mockingbird after all those years? Now we know. I okay. I will say just on upon further Wikipedia reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and just so I don't have to put it in the corrections on our website. <laughs> I was hoping we would have to. But of course, there have been mockingbirds that have been named over the years. Yeah, they, 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 do re- re- they did reveal in 1988 that Mockingbird was Durant. Uh, uh, so it was, still, it was still several years later. 20 it was still years like, after it was, the Yeah, it was, like, it was 20 years. It was, that's like a generation of people um, before they revealed that. Uh, Man, oh man. It was, I don't know. It, 
it was still fun. I'm it's still and again, it's it's funny that they played up that that tenseness for laughs, because um, I I can almost I'm all, I'm I'm positive that's not how it went in the original. Yeah, probably Durant died or something, or everyone went after him. That sounds like the kind of tone that it took. But, uh, well, I guess that's another comic for another day for another podcast. For now, well, that was a really good talk. It was a really good comic. Anything else to add? <laughs> I'm sorry. All I can think about is that audio that you're 100% going to cut out of this episode. Like the cancer wrestling match thing. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'm, I'm stopping this, by the way. Are you okay? That was Scooby-Doo Team-Up, Issue 30, and it was also Scooby-Dudes Team-Up, Episode number 24. Uh, thank you so much, our fellow pod hosters, for joining us. What? You know what I didn't realize until after... We did the intro? Yeah, after we had gotten so deep into that bit, mm-hmm. is that, like, I think a lot of our listeners know that we, re- <laughs> that we record our, pod- our intro and outro like a week after we record the original episode. They probably do know that, which is all the more commitment that these guys stuck around for us recording the episode, then just, like I guess, lived in your apartment for a week waiting for us to get around to doing the intro and the outro. (laughs) And they're now, actually, now they're leaving. Oh, Matt Besser's just walked out the door. Scott Ackerman, he's also waving bye-bye. He's back to Cali. The roots are returning to the uh, underground nutrition support system of a tree. Are you proud of that? I'm not proud of very much, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's good of them to stick around and to join us in the first place. That was Scooby Dudes Team Up. So, uh, welcome to the outro portion of our podcast. And the outro portion is basically where we're going to talk to you about how you can find us elsewhere online and how can you you can support us if you want if you want to. Yeah. So let's uh, let's blast through our various social media presences. We're on Twitter at the Scooby Dudes. Follow us, um, like us. Actually, like us on Facebook. Just follow us on Twitter um, and hit us up. Uh, Facebook, that's just facebook.com slash scoobydudes. Uh, pretty straightforward. I have finally, as of a couple of days before this episode, you made a Facebook friend? Started I'm sorry, what were you scheduling say? stuff again. Okay. Yeah, we're not, you and I are not Facebook friends. <laughs> no, you, you re- rebuff every request I make. In fact, I haven't been able to find you for a little while. I think your profile is hidden at this stage. Uh, I, I, you, apparently, you can hide it from specific people. So. Yeah, I, I did not know that. Now I know that. Uh, so facebook.com slash Scooby Dudes. That's my only way of connecting via Evan through Facebook. Yours as well. <laughs> uh, if you go to our website at scoobydudes.com, you can see all of our show notes for this episode. You can also see a lot of really fun um, screenshots. And captions. Silly captions to go along with those screenshots. And by screenshots, I do mean that I've taken panels from this comic and Luke and I have slotted in the dialogue. Exactly that. Uh, we've written our own in. We did the same thing for Scooby-Doo Apocalypse, one of my favorites that we've done yet. Uh, really, you're robbing yourself if you don't go to scoobydudes.com. Notice how great it is that we got the actual web address. And check out this incredible website that Evan has built for us. Uh, these incredible show notes, these incredible corrections, where he makes sure that uh, we're getting everything on the right page. Uh, just scoobydudes.com. Please go there. Um, I will just take a quick second. Mm-hmm. I'm still desperately searching for an artist for this episode uh if we find one we will re-record this so that this segment so that we can give them a shout out if not i have drawn the title card yay evan or whoever else we're recording into this um 
Let's take a moment one way or another and say we always do original artwork for each um, Scooby-specific episode. Uh, if you're interested, hit us up. Show us something that you've done. We are always interested in getting more talent on board. Uh, Luke and I do not believe in paying people with, quote, experience, end quote. Uh, we will pay you for your art. We will commission art from you. Hit us up in any of those ways that we just mentioned, Twitter or Facebook, or send us an email at scoobydudespodcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. We're big believers of compensating artists for the work that they do with um, payment in the form of shout-outs on the podcast. We will pay you. Um, so hit us up. No, we will actually give you monies, financial, fiscal monies for your work. So do hit us up there. I'll, I'll give you your money. <laughs> Take all my monies. Take this money. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> that doesn't feel true to me. Um, oh, where else can they hit us up? Um, we'd love it if you would find us on iTunes, rate us five stars. We will read your review on air, no matter what you write, and we will bleep it only if we have to. Um, the last thing is, as, as we mentioned, we pay our artists. Uh, how do we pay those artists? A lot of that money comes from people who support us uh, through Patreon. Patreon, a website, a, a service that helps small-time artists achieve their big-time dreams with the help of their beloved fans. So, um, we do not have any new donors or anything like that this week. Uh, however, that doesn't stop us from spotlighting everyone who has, uh, who is a current donor. We do it every single week. I, I feel the need to say their names, almost like a, a chant or a, a small prayer. And that's what we're going to do right now in the utmost of reverence. I know it takes a lot of time to do it, but they're worth it. These people support us. They are the ones who really make this art and this podcast happen. Yeah. Outside of that, you can always send us an email, scoobydudespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we get regular emails from one beloved listener, and we'd love to get emails from you as well. Uh, and as one last thing, just to close off this episode, you know that we had this bevy of guests for this episode. Yeah, the ones who just trickle trickled out, yeah. If you want to shout them out on Twitter and tell them what an amazing job they did on our <laughs> podcast, please do. Tell them, tell them how much you love them on Scooby Dudes and how you'd love them to come back and bring their own mic so that we can have them on air next time. Uh, tell them how much you would love their podcast and listen to it more if they made just the tiniest appearance on Scooby Dudes. Uh, tell them how you think it's kind of rude that they haven't shouted us out considering they appeared on us just just this week. Um, like, I, I know that Matt Besser was here, and his presence really, really aided this particular episode. If you tweet him at Matt Besser and say, hey, Matt, great job with the dudes, I'd love to see... Just okay, I, send him a shout-out. I, I I, if you want to, but you should. Matt, Matt Besser's kind of a hero of mine, and he's kind of grumpy sometimes, so I don't actually know if I want this. Because <laughs> I have a dream of meeting him someday, and I don't want to ruin that. You really think that our readers, or sorry, our listeners, are going to inundate his Twitter? Probably not. <laughs> okay, no, I guess we're pretty safe. I'm afraid that even one bad tweet, he's going to be like, who the heck is this? What's this freaking podcast? F this guy. I, I don't want to meet him. And I thought we said <laughs> that all publicity was good publicity. <laughs> I, guess. I guess. But not if it costs me Maddie B. The love of Maddie B. If he says, like, F... Like, F you, Scooby Dudes. Um, I guess that's him acknowledging my existence. I'll take it. You know what? Bug these people. Hit these podcasts up. 
tell them to uh, shout us back and how much you want to get you want them to be back on air on the podcast. But please message Matt Besser with the utmost respect and uh, and do it with a light touch. Maybe maybe like yeah, tweet at the NPR guy or something. I, I I don't care what you send to everyone else. You can do whatever you want there. Particularly Scott Ackerman. I think really it's this is such a fun episode to do. Scooby Doo team up issue number thirty. I I think it's fabulous, and uh, I loved the issue. I loved having these guests on. I love this podcast. Over and above all, I love you, Evan. You, my best friend, for doing this with me. And I love hosting this podcast with you. I think your audio cut out right before you said hosting this podcast with me. Internet connection, I think. Something like that. Man, this internet outage is really hurting me. And There must have been a loving statement in there. I love our listeners. Goodbye. Goodbye.